an elegant weapon for a more civilized age. The lightsaber is as synonymous with Star Wars as perhaps any movie prop. The design, the sound, and importantly the color of the blade all provide the audience with information about the character wielding it. Today, we unpack the symbolism of lightsabers and their colors. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to the show, and welcome to 2019. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy it is New- the year of Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my God. I Oh, the who was it? I think it was Anthony Bresnikan who tweeted something today about, like, here's a list of everything coming up in 2019 for Star Wars, and the list was so long. <laughs> I know. I was scrolling through it. I'm like, is this over yet? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's crazy. I am so ready for all this stuff that's happening. I am scared. I'm not ready for my emotions, but I'm ready to, like, consume it (laughs) and talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's not going to be a dull moment on the Star Wars front this year. It's it's honestly going to be a bananas year. It's good that it's almost good that we didn't have any movie release this December or, or like there's just like no room in the schedule for 2019 to handle talking about the movie, the novelization, the DV, like we just wouldn't have room for it. And like thank the maker that episode nine is coming at the end of the year or else I don't know what we would do. I mean, I'd be happy if it came out in May. I'm still kind of disappointed that it got moved back just because it's so far away, but it's actually really close now. So I'm just really excited for it. So <laughs> I don't really care when it comes out. We'll have lots of things in the interim to like distract us from the fact that we still have 12 months until episode nine. Exactly. I do feel like we're in a weird calm right now. Something we're about to get a title. It's the calm before the storm. Like literally, they're they're giving us this holiday break, and then they're they're not going to let off the gas for the next twelve months. Legitimately, (laughs) (laughs) they're zooming through. They're about to. They're like on the on ramp as we get onto the highway. (laughs) Yes. Slowly, we're about to make that right hand turn onto the interstate on the on ramp. And then once we hit the on-ramp, it's like you're there for the next like 360 days. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, so our two-year anniversary is actually coming up in a couple days. And we'll be, we'll be – I know. So crazy. We'll be doing another – last year we did a Q&A to celebrate. We'll be doing another one. So um, I haven't called for any questions yet on Twitter, but I will. So get your questions in really soon because we'll be recording that really soon. Mm-hmm. Our Q&A last year was so much fun, and as with any time a year passes, you have to say the obligatory, oh, wow, I can't believe a year has passed already, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I can't believe a year has passed already. Um, I know. So our last Q&A was so much fun, actually. You guys sent in really fun questions about like who would be in the Star Wars universe, if we had an occupation, what lightsaber we would have, which, of course, is appropriate for today's discussion. And then um, like about our personal lives and like our most embarrassing stories of each other and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So please send in your questions. It was a lot of fun last year, and we would love to get some more good ones this year. Exactly. So why don't we jump into our discussion? So in part one, we're going to be talking about the color blue. And in part two, we're going to be talking about the colors green, white, and purple. And then in part three, we're going to be talking about red. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? 
All right, welcome to part one, um, where we're talking all about the color blue and lightsabers. Now, I don't think we really discussed it in kind of our little introduction just now, but we're talking about lightsabers in this discussion, and but more specifically, we're going to be talking about the colors of lightsabers. And Charlotte, we've been wanting to do a lightsaber episode for quite some time. Um, it was mm-hmm. something we discussed like way back last year, and we're just now getting around to it. Um, but I don't think we were anticipating doing it like so specifically on colors but this article mm-hmm. that I came across last week I think or a couple days ago um, all about the color blue just like blew my mind the color blue blew my mind and um, of course I was thinking all about Star Wars when I was reading um, and thinking about like the colors of lightsabers and of course the legacy lightsaber so what did you think about the article Charlotte when you read it it's really great but why don't you tell everyone about it um, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll link it in the show notes too, if you guys want to look while you're listening. Yeah, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? So basically, it's this article. It's called 200 Years of Blue. And it basically goes through all these different arth- authors and um, like even scientists and, and a bunch of different people throughout history and what they've had to say about the color blue, which was really interesting because I don't think I realized how much people talked about color, which I feel like we – we talk a lot about like uh, like the psychological benefits of certain color choices. You know, like they say like blue is a calming color. So like you should paint your bedroom blue and like red is a color that, you know, evokes a lot of passion. So like if you put it in your bedroom, you're, it's, it can like lead to stress or, you know, it can make you like more awake or not as relaxed. And I think about it in those kinds of terms. But the way that these like different quotes that were pulled for this article were talking about the color blue, it was so much more deep and interesting and totally got the wheels spinning in my head. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Should we read some of the quotes? Yeah. So one of the big ones that they first said was that blue is the most symphonic of colors, which I thought was really interesting. And I guess as a precursor to this discussion on blue, um, we're really going to be talking about the legacy lightsaber in this section and kind of what it means to Star Wars, um, what it means going forward, and how it really is just more fodder for my theory that Ray will keep the <laughs> legacy lightsaber and it will be jagged. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's really what this whole episode comes down to, guys. Um, but no, I think some of the, the things that were talked about in this article um, really lend itself to the symbolism that Ray keeping the blue lightsaber, the legacy lightsaber, could have for Star Wars down the road. Uh, And not only that, I just think that when we read these quotes, it's good to kind of think about why they have kind of leaned so hard on the legacy lightsaber. I think it was kind of a surprise to all of us to come see that lightsaber, the blue lightsaber, the Anakin Skywalker lightsaber come back around in when um, The Force Awakens came out. And I think since then, Lucasfilm has really kind of um, kind of drilled it into our heads that now this <laughs> this lightsaber has belonged to Anakin and it has belonged to Luke and now it belongs to Rey. And I guess at one point it could have belonged to Kylo. You never know. Um, he mm-hmm. does say that lightsaber belongs to me. So um, I just want to say that because I think that there is something really important about them really leaning so hard on this blue lightsaber, this original lightsaber. And just to keep that in mind as we read these quotes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up because that lightsaber was lost in Empire Strikes Back. And so it's interesting that they went through all of the like work to bring it back, both in-universe, mm-hmm. which we don't know all the details yet about how it came back, but the fact that they brought it back 
um, is a really good point. Like they wanted it to be this specific lightsaber that has ties all the way back to Anakin. And then also perhaps because of the color that it is too, like it's different. It could have been Luke's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi that became like the legacy lightsaber Um, or even Mm -hmm. like Obi-Wan's lightsaber, which is also blue. Um, But it's this one specifically. So I think that's a really good point to bring up. So, as we said in the article, one of the first quotes that they pull is the most symphonic of the colors is blue. And then um, this one they pulled from John Wolfgang von Goethe in The Theory (laughs) of Colors, which is from 1810. And The Theory of Colors was this book from the early 19th century, which was basically the first – one of the first instances where someone went through, like, all the colors and started talking about their meanings and, like, kind of assigning meaning to these different colors. Um, So, he writes this about the color blue. And first he starts with the color yellow. He says, as yellow is always accompanied with light, so it may be said that blue still brings a principle of darkness with it. This color has a peculiar and almost indescribable effect on the eye. As a hue, it is powerful, but it is on the negative side, and in its highest purity is, as it were, a stimulating negation. Its appearance, then, is a kind of contradiction between excitement and repose. And this is honestly the quote that I was like, oh, my God, Star Wars, <laughs> because he, he's kind of describing the color blue as a balance. You know, instead of a kind of contradiction, it can be a kind of balance, which I think mm-hmm. is really interesting how it's a powerful negative color, but also has a high degree of purity while also stimulating negation at the same time. And I, I was just like, oh, my God, Star Wars. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. Like if you think about even – I know that our brains right now are so theorizing the sequel trilogy and everything, but that to me, I think of Anakin when I hear that quote because I think that his character um, kind of experienced all those extremes and yet he had this blue lightsaber, right? Um, Mm. I don't know. I just think it's so perfect to think about um, the fact that it has (laughs) – the balance exists within this lightsaber. Um, I don't know. I love it. It it works so, so well for each of the characters that uh, the blue lightsaber belongs to. Yeah, I think that's good that you thought of Anakin first because I thought of Rey and like what she will mean in episode nine, like what her place is and kind of this like fulcrum um, within the Mm -hmm. force and within and like how that color blue as a contradiction and a balance at the same time represents this like new balance that she's helping to establish within the force that it's mm-hmm. not just purity and it's not just a negation. They're both existing at the same time and that's representative through the color blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But you could also say that about Anakin Skywalker, who was the chosen one, you know, yeah, I, I just feel like who was supposed to bring balance. Like it, it's all of those things and more. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I was just saying I'm glad that you brought up Anakin because my head immediately went to Rey initially. But like For it sure. does represent – because because you're right. It has like represent it, – it represents both Anakin, Luke, and Rey and to a certain degree Kylo as well um, mm-hmm. because it's something that he wants but isn't quite ready to have um, and mm-hmm. isn't destined to have. Not that lightsaber, not for that reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the next quote was by Kandinsky in 1910, and he writes, The power of profound meaning is found in blue, and first in its physical movements, of retreat from the spectator, of turning in upon its own center. The inclination of blue to depth is so strong that its inner appeal is stronger when its shade is deeper. Blue is the typical heavenly color. The ultimate feeling it creates is one of rest. 
supernatural rest, not the earthly contentment of green. The way to the supernatural lies through the natural. When blue sinks almost to black, it echoes a grief that is hardly human. When it rises towards white, a movement little suited to it, its appeal to men grows weaker and more distant. In music, a light blue is like a flute, a darker blue like a cello, a still darker, a thunderous double bass, and the darkest blue of all, an organ. I thought this quote was particularly interesting because all these authors and, and the quotes, they will kind of talk about these different shades of blue and how they mean different things. But the lightsaber, of course, that we see is pretty much a steady blue color. It doesn't really change. But what I think is interesting is that like the lightsaber itself changes and like who's wielding it changes as well as like the sound that it makes as it's moving. Like that can almost kind of substitute a shade change. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> No, I think that there's something there about the sound um, that Kandinsky was trying to make about uh, flute, cello, organ. Um, Obviously, when (laughs) you're swinging the lightsaber, it's a little bit more intense and the sound is aggressive. And I mean, that makes sense to me, Caitlin. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What's interesting about this quote, too, is when he says blue is the typical heavenly color, which, of course, a lot of what we talk about with Ray and Kylo in regards to the sequel trilogy is this idea of the cosmic force and with the Skywalkers Mm -hmm. as well um, is their role within the cosmic force. It's kind of a step above, um, which I Mm -hmm. like that he talks about the color blue as a heavenly color um, and how it can be one of rest, but it can also be one of grief. Again, these two authors, like a hundred years apart, are talking about this like balance that's kind of found within the color blue, which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Love it. And then the next quote is from Rebecca Solnit from her book, A Field Guide to Getting Lost, which was from 2005. And this this one is a little bit different from the other ones. Um, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit more, uh, I don't know the right word to describe it, but I'll just read it and then we can talk about it. So she writes, The world is blue at its edges and in its depths. This blue is the light that got lost. Light at the blue end of the spectrum does not travel the whole distance from the sun to us. It disperses among the molecules of the air. It scatters in water. Water is colorless. Shallow water appears to be the color of whatever lies underneath it. But deep water is full of this scattered light. The purer the water, the deeper the blue. Somewhere in this is the mystery of why tragedies are more beautiful than comedies and why we take a huge pleasure in the sadness of certain songs and stories. Something is always far away. The blue of distance comes with time, with the discovery of melancholy, of loss, the texture of longing, of the complexity of the terrain we traverse, and with the years of travel. If sorrow and beauty are all tied up together, then perhaps maturity brings with it not abstraction, but an aesthetic sense that partially redeems the losses time brings and finds beauty in the far away. Some things we have only as long as they remain lost. Some things are not lost only so long as they are distant. So these quotes, I thought, really describe the lightsaber itself pretty well, the legacy lightsaber, while also Mm. talking about like the color blue as well, Um, particularly when she was talking about the water, where she says, water is colorless, shallow water appears to be the color of whatever lies underneath it. But deep water is full of the scattered light. The purer the water, the deeper the blue. And of course, if we're talking about like light and darkness, there's light scattered throughout this darkness, which is still kind of reflecting the color blue. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Again, my mind was just like, oh my God, Star Wars. Star Wars is everywhere. (laughs) 
But then the bottom, like the last chunk of the quote that I read, it really made me think about the lightsaber itself as like an item of memory and of loss. And I was kind of thinking, and then of course, um, about Star Wars in general, this middle quote where it says, somewhere in this is the mystery of why tragedies are more beautiful than comedies and why we take a huge pleasure in the sadness of certain songs and stories. Something is always far away. Which I think is like, it's part of why you and I love Star Wars too. It's what we say here all the time. Star Wars is tragedy. (laughs) But there's something like so melancholic and beautiful about that as like people um, within the story, like our character is just like striving for goodness and striving for like harmony. um, That Mm -hmm. it's like we take pleasure in watching their stories unfold despite the tragedy that's found in them. Yeah, it's true. I mean – I <laughs> I joke all the time about like why I specifically like Revenge of the Sith and these like kind of emo <laughs> melancholy episodes of Star Wars and I just think I kind of enjoy watching pain. Um <laughs> and I feel like that's because I like tragedy. I think it's it's meaningful and important to study and I think that this quote really gets at that. Um mm-hmm. I I was just thinking when we were when you were reading these quotes about how recently I saw someone on Twitter and I don't know who it is, but um it's true. JJ Abrams processes like his his movie the For- the Force Awakens is more blue tinted than Ryan Johnson's was and I think that maybe like that's worth mentioning that that whole movie that beginning of the sequel trilogy really leans hard into like the blue filter um you can see it really clearly the post I saw it on on Twitter was a comparison between the bridge in um on a Star Destroyer and how you can see that the windows are very, very blue tinted and like even like the reflection on um, certain characters' faces are blue tinted as well. And I just, I find it really interesting. I know we're talking about lightsabers, but I guess um, that whole idea of how you should absorb color when in like the visual medium, um, interesting to me that J.J. Abrams and whoever really edits his movies, um, kind of leaned hard into the blues rather than Ryan Johnson really went for the neutrals and like uh, uh, I think it's it's more yellowy tint mm-hmm. so yeah especially with like the pops of red which are so prominent in exactly. the last Jedi I think you're mm-hmm. right though like JJ's Abram J- the force awakens is much more blue especially in at the end um the the forest battle between Ray and mm-hmm. Kylo there's like that that dark ice blue which is mm-hmm. kind of a contradiction to say a dark ice blue, but it kind of has that vibe that you get um, as they're kind of fighting and the way the lighting is set up. It's very, it's very blue. It is. It's it's very blue. <laughs> you know what they say? It's blue. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's interesting to talk about because blue is kind of like how I was saying at the start of the episode. Like I tend to think of. I tended to think of blue very simplistically as like a calming color, whereas the things that are going on in The Force Awakens, especially like in the end scene with Rey and Kylo, it's obviously not very calm (laughs) or relaxing. Mm -hmm. But then when you start reading like some of these quotes from some of these people um, in this article, it's like they're talking more about like the nuances of this color and how it is both pure and um, it has like these depths to it. But even like in these depths, there's still like lightness and purity um, like Mm -hmm. scattered throughout the color blue, which I think is a that's kind of fascinating when you put it up against like the color hue of The Force Awakens itself and what's actually going on on screen. 
Right. I just want to say that right now I feel like we're focusing on like one single lightsaber. And obviously the Skywalkers and Rey aren't the only people who have blue lightsabers. But I just want to reiterate that it's in, I, I feel like it's really important that they brought back this blue lightsaber. Um, and like, why do you think it was so important for them to bring it back besides the fact that it's, um, you know, we have almost nostalgic ties to it? Um, what do you think about that? I think the the last part of this quote actually says it really well. When So if you put it – so think about Anakin's lightsaber, the legacy lightsaber, with this quote. So like the blue of distance comes with time, with the discovery of melancholy, of loss, the texture of longing, of the complexity of the terrain we traverse, and with the years of travel. If sorrow and beauty are all tied up together, then perhaps maturity brings with it not abstraction, but an aesthetic sense that partially redeems the losses time brings and finds beauty in the far way. Like, I think that that legacy lightsaber is kind of the only thing in Star Wars that has the distance that comes with time. It has melancholy and loss, the texture of longing. Um, it has sorrow and beauty all tied up throughout its history. And so, mm-hmm. like, bringing it forward into the sequel trilogy, like, we call that. As fans, we can look at that as nostalgia, but I think within the context of the story, we're seeing all of those themes and all of those meanings tied up into this lightsaber, and that's something that only it really pertains. And I think JJ does a really good job of this, of making the lightsaber something that reacts when Ray touches it and like kind of tells her about all this melancholy that it has. Right. I mean, this lightsaber has done everything. It's done evil deeds. It was with Anakin when he committed... Um, atrocities against the Jedi Order. And it's also brought so much joy to Luke when he had this relic suddenly from his father that he never knew. Um, And it called immediately to Rey. I feel like there's, you're right, there's so much wrapped up into this specific lightsaber. It's it's fascinating. I think it is really one of the smartest moves, I think, is to bring it back. Um, I am still kind of in awe that they did that. If you really just like take a step back from it, they really could have not done that at all. We could have seen Ray uh, find a different lightsaber or just pick up another one. I don't think we really would have thought too much about it. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're given this gift of having it tie into all of the everything that came before it, basically. Yeah. And I like particularly at the end of the quote where it says um, it has an aesthetic sense that partially redeems the losses time brings and finds beauty in the far away. Like, by mm-hmm. giving the lightsaber this new meaning of whatever Ray is giving to it, of whatever she'll do with it, um, it's kind of, in a way, redeeming the the sorrow and the tragedy and the evil deeds that were done with it before. Um, it's mm-hmm. like giving the lightsaber itself new life um, and mm-hmm. new purpose away from the legacy of being Anakin Skywalker's, of, like, doing those horrible deeds in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also, whatever whatever else might have happened. I mean, there's like a period of time where we don't really know where this lightsaber was. <laughs> so a long period of time. Him. Yeah. So who knows? Like maybe Kylo did have this lightsaber for a period and he lost it at some point. And that's too like why he's so keen to get it back. I A lot of people have theorized that. And I think it's – I think that you can go two ways in that. When he says that lightsaber, that belongs to me, um, I feel like – you could be like, oh, he is kind of staking claim to his own legacy as a Skywalker and thinks that he deserves these things like uh, his uh, grandfather's helmet and stuff. Like, I think that you can go down that road and it makes sense. But there is also this like, oh, my God, what if it actually did belong to him at the Jedi camp and he actually lost it? Like, I, I don't know, you know, 
Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's there's definitely a story to be told about this lightsaber um, again. A better story for a different time. <laughs> Literally. It's, it's like <laughs> Maz says it. And I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. We're all waiting. We're, we're waiting, Maz Kanata. <laughs> so I think you and I are both of the opinion. All right, let's talk about like Ray keeping this lightsaber long term. Because there mm-hmm. was for a period of time where I thought I would be happy with or that I thought I wanted basically like Ray to get her own lightsaber and for this lightsaber to like go back to Kylo once he was redeemed. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm not so sure. Um, now I'm pretty pretty positive that I want Ray to fix this lightsaber and keep this lightsaber. Um, what does it mean for her to keep the legacy lightsaber? Um, I've said this on a previous episode, but if it's your first episode, I'll say it again. Um, I think that there is so much history tied into it and the fact that she now holds that mantle. Um, it's a mantle that she was kind of unwilling to take and it just kind of called out to her. And now she has it she took it um it's not it was her choice to um keep it and even though it's broken which i think is you know a beautiful metaphor for the the brokenness of um the skywalker um line and everything that comes with it um i think that by healing it by having it by um kind of taking on that honestly disastrous past um I don't know. I feel like it's really important for her to keep it. Yeah, I think it is too. I'm not sure if I can quite verbalize quite yet why I think it's so important for her to keep it because I think there's an argument to be made about like like number one, Ray isn't a Skywalker yet. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, she should like get her own outside of the Skywalker family because that's part of like her appeal as a character is that she has so much importance and she's not a Skywalker fam Skywalker, even though she's very much operating within their timeline and within like their family saga, she's separate from it. And so I think there's a good argument to be made for her creating her own. Um, that being said, I don't want her to have a yellow lightsaber. I know a lot of people want her to have a yellow lightsaber. Um, I think if I had to pick a color for her, it would be blue. Um, But I still like want – because I think I want her to keep the legacy lightsaber. And honestly, I think I want Kylo to keep his lightsaber as well um, by the Mm -hmm. end of the trilogy. Um, I don't know. I just think it's – I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think you're right. Um, Obviously, I agree with you. I want her to keep the lightsaber. But I'm not sure I can quite explain why I think it's better for her to keep – the Skywalker lightsaber rather than like getting to construct her own and like have that experience of building and connecting with her own lightsaber. Agreed. I feel like right now what we'll see is her mending the lightsaber and learning that power um, to fix it. And Mm -hmm. I, in having that control over um, this object that called to her and kind of like thrust her into the story. Right. Um, I, I'm really intrigued by that prospect in her journey. Um, And I think that's why I want her to mend it and keep it and have it continue to be blue. Um, But I 
just feel like right now in the in the timeline that we're in right now, which if you're listening to this in the future, um, no episode nine, and she has, you know, <laughs> this uh, cracked crystal. And I really just think it's representative of where we are in the story. Um, everything really kind of seems broken. But Leia at the end says that we have everything we need. And it is that that scarred past, but we'll be able to move forward once um, we basically learn the power to move forward. Yeah, and you don't have to I – mean, yeah, I guess that's a good point too because you don't have to – like you don't have to throw away the legacy lightsaber in order to make things right. It's not mm-hmm. that Rey has to build a new lightsaber in order to become what she's meant to be to, you know, chop off Kylo's head or whatever it is. Is They have everything they need even with the broken pieces. Mm-hmm. And there's something like really poetic and lovely about that of that there is still hope despite these broken pieces, you'll be able – like she'll be able to mend them and mm-hmm. make something useful and purposeful and good out of something that seemingly has such a corrupt past, a lost past, and now like a broken present can still mm-hmm. create like a beautiful future. Exactly. It's it's really – personally, it's really important for me um, for it to be in there. But I also just really love this idea that we've kind of been talking about for like 20 minutes about how blue is representative of the balance and by her continuing to have that color. Um, I think – do you remember – now I'm just thinking, do you know what color Ben's lightsaber was in that flashback? I'm pretty sure it's blue. It's definitely blue. Well, I think that that would be like much more representative of how I, (laughs) where I want Ben to like be. I want him to also have a blue lightsaber in the end and get rid of this red, um, which we'll talk about later. Don't worry. Um, And he would also take on this mantle of understanding that blue and the the color blue is representative of balance. Um, I think that would be great. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I want him to keep the the hilt that he has now. Yeah. Um but I but we'll talk about this later with like the crystals and stuff like that, but I want it to be blue. Mhm. Which yes. also this is just like a side note on my life in general. Today I was taking I was like writing some things and this like pen exploded on me and so now I have like blue ink all over my hand. Oh god. <laughs> Which is, It's, like, appropriate for today's episode. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's a balance. Like, sometimes you do, like, a bunch of work and a bunch of writing, and then, like, the pen explodes, and it's, like, your price for, like, productivity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) On this episode of Sky Talkers reading way too far into things. (laughs) Your symbolism everything. (laughs) Yeah. So I want – I want – in The Force Awakens, we see Kylo. Like, Kylo is obsessive over the lightsaber. Like, almost a little bit more than he is about finding Luke. I, I don't know. Like, he – of course he wants to find Luke, but, like, the, the lightsaber is, like, a point of contention. You know, it's like that is, like, how dare you deem yourself worthy enough to hold that lightsaber? Like, it is mine. And mm-hmm. an episode in The Last Jedi, it's not quite the same. Like, something has shifted in his demeanor towards it. We see it a little bit in the novelization when he and Ray have, like, flirty banter about, like, the lightsaber, and he takes it from her. Um, but then he, like, gives it right back Forgot to her. forgot about that. 
right? Oh my God. Good, good section. <laughs> yeah. You're in no position to negotiate, he says with a smirk. That's literally the line, guys. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but and it, so he takes it from her, but it's it's a little bit of like a it comes off as just anyway in the book. But at least from the film, he gives it right back to her. And what's interesting there is that the lightsaber listens to him in episode eight, whereas it doesn't listen to him in episode seven, which I think mm-hmm. is an important distinction. And then it's equally crucial. called – It's crucial, yeah. It's equally pulled between them at the end of the throne room scene, even after Kylo has, like, rejected Rey's um, – Ray's like plea for him to like quote unquote come back to the light side. So even after that moment when you could say like Kylo has, you know, quote unquote turned back to the dark side or like not fully come to the light side, the lightsaber is still like equally pulled between them. And so I think it would be great for Kylo in his like quest of understanding the past in order to move into the future because the point of the sequel trilogy is not to let go of the past, as he says. Mm-hmm. It is to understand mm-hmm. the past in order to move on with your future, both the good and the bad. So I think it'd be really poetic for him to keep his own lightsaber hilt, the one that brought him so much destruction and brought him so much misery. But now it's like he's carrying that knowledge of who he was with him, but now it's taken on new meaning because now he's on the – he he's found balance and he's no longer being used and abused and he's no longer harming other people. He's like moving forward with his life, but he's still remembering where he came from with that like cross guard lightsaber. And he's not as obsessed with the legacy lightsaber because his obsession with the legacy lightsaber was because it was Vader's um, and because mm-hmm. it was the Skywalker's, not because of anything else. Like it wasn't a good reason why he wanted that lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, should we move on to talking about – are we good with blue? Anything else we want to add? It's a good color. It is a really good color. I mean, just just a final thought. Again, I know that we didn't really touch on the fact that – you know, let's touch on it. Um, <laughs> blue, I think that we've really focused our discussion on Skywalkers as we usually do. But <laughs> I think that there's there's really something there. <laughs> like literally there as we usually do. characters in Star Wars. <laughs> Um, I just think it's worth mentioning that I think that the the binary, if you will, of like a child looking at like what the lightsaber colors mean, I think that is something really interesting about the fact that traditionally you have um, blue and green representing the good and uh, red representing the bad. And blue here is like the first color we're introduced to as a lightsaber is and arguably in A New Hope, it's like white White. not necessarily blue yeah Yeah. um i i I feel like regardless it does represent this like this goodness and i there's a quote you didn't read but i just want to read it because i think that it really does represent um what again (laughs) the legacy lightsaber means um you didn't read this quote by thoreau um henry david thoreau uh it says blue is light seen through a veil um i love that because that kind of what's within is goodness even though sometimes on top it is potentially uh, cloaked and you can't Mm. necessarily see it and I think that that kind of is really clearly represented in the legacy lightsaber but also could be pretty represented in the the face of the Jedi as well as we talk about a lot here about how flawed the Jedi order was 
And so I, I just I feel like maybe we didn't do as good of a job mentioning the other characters that have blue lightsabers. But in the prequel trilogy, it does kind of change a lot who holds what lightsaber, right? I think Anakin yeah. loses a bunch. And then uh, Obi-Wan has a green one, but sometimes he has a blue one. Like it just kind of like flip flops, you know? So yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's good that we stuck to talking about the Skywalkers. But it, I just think that it's really interesting to me that maybe not interesting, but like it. it it makes sense to me that blue and green, which we'll, we're about to talk to or talk about, we're not talking to green. Green's not a thing. Um, we'll talk about is um, that those are representative of goodness and calm, and even it, potentially with a dark past. Because again, something also that we're not mentioning is the fact that we're talking about weapons. Um, mm-hmm. These are weapons and yes like i think it all goes back to like excalibur and um knights of the round table and everything like that and how those weapons and that sword itself is so um worshipped almost but it is a weapon it comes with a past um and it, it i don't know i find that also that whole discussion really fascinating to me because we, when we talk about weapons um when we talk about lightsabers it's often this really cool space thing but this is something that hurts people um and but again it is representative and calls to the the user of the lightsaber which we'll talk about as well about the kyber crystals yeah i think that's a really interesting discussion that i think we should talk about more when we get to actually talking about the crystals themselves because i think that's a really good point to bring up like we associate like these colors of green and blue lightsabers with the good guys but the good guys and the bad guys are using the same weapon um and it is a weapon like make no mistake um it does a lot of bad things and at the end of the day it didn't matter whether anakin like the the weapon was the same whether anakin was on the dark side or the lightsaber light side And he was using the same weapon in its quote unquote good blue color to do really dark things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to part two um, where we're talking about green, white, and purple lightsabers. So welcome to part two. Um, Like Caitlin mentioned, we're talking about green, white, and purple lightsabers. And the thing is, is that with this discussion, we were really guided by those beautiful quotes um, that Caitlin found um, in that one article about blue. And for the others, we don't necessarily have those beautiful quotes, but it's okay. Um, we will <laughs> still be talking about um, the what the colors represent. So green um, is the color of life, renewal, nature, and energy, and is associated with the meanings of growth, harmony, freshness, safety, fertility, and environment. Green is also traditionally associated with money, ambition, greed, and jealousy. Um, I don't think in the nature of Star Wars it necessarily is associated with uh, money, ambition, greed, and jealousy, but um, everything that came before that, I think it totally is. Um, Mm -hmm. The color green has healing power and is understood to be the most restful and relaxing color for the human eye to view. Green can help enhance vision, stability, and endurance. Uh, what does it make you think of when I talk about green this way, Caitlin? I think a lot of Octo, honestly, um, which is funny because Octo isn't very green itself. But the mm. way that Luke talks about the force on Octo, he's talking a lot about the living force and, um, you know, like this balance between like death and life and like um, – but he's talking about like in a very natural 
sense. Like there on Octo, um, we're seeing those examples kind of come to light. And I think it's I think it's cool when we think about like that deleted scene from Return of the Jedi when Luke reveals his new lightsaber because at that point it's like, oh, like good lightsabers are blue and bad lightsabers are red. And then you see Luke ignite this lightsaber and it's green. You're like, whoa, whoa. And it's a really <laughs> it's a really vibrant shade of green, unlike what we saw with the legacy lightsaber, at least in the original trilogy and, and originally in the original trilogy, like you said, it was more white. So to see this like very vibrant green. I think must have been – it would have been a great experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I I love Luke's green lightsaber so much. <laughs> green is my favorite color, and so that's one of my favorite lightsabers. I love the hilt on that lightsaber too. I think it's a fantastic hilt. Um, that's just like my favorite lightsaber in general. But, you know, where it says like it's a color of life and renewal of energy, that there's like a freshness and growth with it, it is really fitting when we think about Luke's journey and where we find him in Return of the Jedi, that this is the color that his lightsaber has become. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's so um, it's so perfect to me that George and um, I guess Richard Marquand would um, – <laughs> Richard Marquand? <laughs> Yeah, would choose to have Luke have a green lightsaber because they, they totally could have not. But I do think that it is representative of renewal. And you are supposed to look upon Luke having this new saber as a moment of advancement for him. He's now become a Jedi Knight. And, you know, even Han is kind of shocked about that. But um, we know because even from that first shot that is now deleted, um, from the first time we see that green lightsaber it is like wow he really has come a long way he created this this lightsaber and this is new he has had experiences that we don't know about um Mm -hmm. and i think that 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 freshness and that energy is kind of representative of where we even see luke at the end of um return of the jedi and he throws away that lightsaber which again is is interesting right um yeah he throws away the yeah, weapon. Exactly. He throws away the weapon that is coded as a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. And like besting his father with it would – like I think a lot of people would have said that like, oh, it's good that he beat Vader. He beat the bad guy. But like Luke's strength was in having that compassion and, you know, putting the weapon down. Mm-hmm. And it, that's a that's a fresh perspective, if you will. Um, <laughs> that is I will. totally, I do. yeah, it's totally like representative in the fact that he comes back with this green lightsaber that, and until this time, we'd never seen before. Super cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great too because the green lightsaber in Return of the Jedi is kind of it's this first instance of George saying. You know, like, there's a lot more going on in the galaxy besides just blue and red lightsabers. Like, there's infinite possibilities, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just, like, a small way of saying that. You know, like, a lightsaber doesn't have to be just blue or red. You know, it can be a different color and it can mean a different thing depending on who's holding it. Just, like, countless other things can hold, like, a multitude of meanings and symbolism within Star Wars. And the lightsaber is just kind of one example of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, this is something we didn't – we probably should have talked about in the last section, but since we're talking about Luke here, let's touch a little bit on why Luke chooses to use the legacy lightsaber at the end of The Last Jedi as opposed to his green lightsaber. 
because that was the whole thing, right? It was like ignite those steel, right? Steel Saunders. He was like ignite the green. That was like his whole hashtag, right? And I was I was a hundred percent for that because, like I said, I love the green lightsaber. Um, but Luke chooses not to use that green lightsaber and instead use the legacy blue lightsaber when he confronts Kylo. Pick that lightsaber for a reason. I mean, what did what do you think? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that that's just kind of cruel um, and that he would know that. I mean, I don't know if he has any insight into knowing that that lightsaber just like broke in half. Um, So he technically probably couldn't have used it. Um, But I find that to be a choice for him in his head to indicate how stable Kylo was, if that makes sense. What do you think? Well, I have this quote from Ryan Johnson um, that's talking about that moment. And Johnson says, Luke is basically tailoring this projection to a maximum effect on Kylo. Johnson explained, he knows that Kylo's Achilles heel is his rage. And so that's why he kind of makes himself look younger, the way Kylo would have last seen him in their confrontation at the temple. And that's why he decided to bring Kylo's grandfather's lightsaber down there, the lightsaber that Kylo screamed at Rey, that's mine that belongs to me. As far as Johnson's concerned, Luke believes that Anakin's lightsaber will have a much more visceral impact on the erstwhile Ben Solo than Luke's own green blade. But why did Kylo fall for his uncle's force illusion when he saw Anakin's lightsaber split in half right in front of him? Because, Johnson pointed out, he doesn't act- he didn't actually see it. We as an audience saw that. The truth is, we see the lightsaber split in half. Kylo sees a blinding flash of light and is knocked unconscious, and then Rey takes the lightsaber away before he wakes up. So if you really want to dig into it and get an explanation, you can say that he doesn't 100% know what happened to the lightsaber. Whoa. Whoa. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's super interesting. Oh, my God. That means that, like, wow. That's so – oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment because, to me, this is so representative of what I was just saying before about how – um, the cracked crystal is representative of cracked history. And obviously, Kylo in his current state doesn't see that that history is cracked um, and that is not worth mending. And Ray sees that it's worth mending. To me, it's like yeah. it, this is so interesting to me because I feel like this is a major blind spot in Kylo's character in that he thinks that it should just all go away while Ray thinks that, you know, here I have these pieces. What do I do with them? Um, I guess we can figure out a way to put them back together. Kylo wouldn't even know that because he's just trying to throw it all away. Um, I And he wouldn't even know that it, it, it even cracked in half. Yeah. Kylo still wants Kylo still wants the whole lightsaber though. That's what's so interesting about Kylo is that his whole mantra is like kill uh, let the past die, kill it if you have to, but at the same time he's obsessively chasing over this memento of the past. I'm shook. I'm shook. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Kylo is just full of contradiction. <laughs> um. He really is and that's that's what that's why I'm like wow, I think that that is such a fascinating and brilliant choice by Ryan Johnson to even discuss that in that quote that you just like kind of pulled out of nowhere like Kay Caitlin. <laughs> it's not in our show notes, guys. Um, <laughs> I um am just like Charles, kind of can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of like bl- bl- my bl- mind is kind of blown about that and <laughs> I think it is also um a perfect choice for Luke because he knows that it will stall Kylo enough for the rest of the people to escape. Mhm. 
Yeah, it does kind of have what you were saying. Like, it does seem kind of cruel, especially with Ryan's quote um, where he says, like, he's he's doing everything to get maximum impact out of Kylo mm-hmm. by, like, appearing as the last thing Kylo would have seen um, using the legacy lightsaber, like, the, the um, object of Kylo's affection, kind of, as it were, um, which hopefully we'll see more of that reasoning play out in episode nine or even in, like – future content to come about like why exactly that like it again it's one of those things I can't verbalize like I think it makes sense that Luke appeared to Kylo that way because that's the moment when Luke made his mistake and so he's kind of coming back to Kylo as that version of himself to tell him he's sorry see to me on that on that line of thinking he should have come with his green lightsaber because that was the lightsaber that Ben last saw him have and hold over him as he slept. Mm. And that would be like almost a, for maybe lack of a better term or the most apropos term, a more triggering um, reaction for Kylo than the legacy lightsaber. But maybe it is more effective this way that he has a lightsaber that he could, you know, it. Luke could have... Um, wanted kylo to think that ray was back with luke um yeah and that's where the lightsaber was yeah well it's like that vision that like way that luke projects himself it's like representative of everything like kylo can't have like he never mm-hmm. had that that one he never got that apology from luke until now he never had that relationship with luke that he probably wanted i don't know i think i think i think we'll get more uh, the luke kylo relationship y'all <laughs> just <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever and there's not enough information about it yet but i'm so excited for more luke and kylo content to be coming out in the future um cuz i think that will be that I think is the most interesting dynamic that we have in the sequel trilogy outside of Ray and Kylo. Um, and there's like next to no content about it. <laughs> but the the lightsaber is also this thing that Kylo has been chasing for two films. And it's like he's also been chasing Luke too. And now they both come together and Kylo has this opportunity to like get the upper hand finally. Like finally, 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 Kylo is going to get the upper hand on this like nightmare that he's had for the past 10 years um, Mm -hmm. from Luke trying to kill him, which again, that's not the full story, but that's how Kylo perceives it. Um, And then he can't do that. It's just an illusion um, because it's an illusion too that that's what he really wants and needs is to get the upper hand on Luke and to get the legacy lightsaber. It's an illusion that that's what he needs and it's illusion of what's actually there on crate. Mm hmm. I don't know, y'all. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fascinating. It really is. It is. And I need Luke Kylo content. Also, like, just, just an, another way to tie it back to the colors. Um, here, Luke is emerging with the blue lightsaber that, as we mentioned, is light tinged with darkness. And it is Luke finally taking the mantle of his history and his past, which is something that he's like kind of stuffed away for how many years? Like, how many years has he been on Acto? He is really kind of bringing it all back um, in this moment um, yeah. to and like really taking it on in a way that isn't representative necessarily in the green lightsaber. The green lightsaber to me is more of a personal journey and um, proof of Luke's like growth in that moment. But it, it doesn't make sense in 
this moment because he had to kind of come back finally to kind of face what he had been um, shutting himself off of for what he thought was the greater good of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Another cool parallel, too, is that in Luke's darker middle chapter is when he loses the lightsaber and Mm -hmm. he's confronted with this horrible truth. And now in Kylo's darker middle chapter, he also loses that lightsaber as well. Mm -hmm. But like episode nine, if it's going where we think it is, it'll be like, oh, that's not really what he needed anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. That like obtaining that thing wasn't going to solve all of his problems, just like killing Han wasn't going to like finally make him really and truly on the dark side. And then the end of Luke's chapter of Luke's story, which coincidentally is Kylo's darker middle chapter, is him like returning back to the legacy of his family in a way and in part by using that lightsaber at the end. Mm, Exactly. There are a lot of layers. Stars is good. It's so good. God, it's so good. Um, Okay, let's talk about white lightsabers because this is a new one, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And white to me is a color that is obviously a stark color and it's very clear to me what it represents, but um, I'll read off what it represents in the same um, way that I did before. Um, White is an inherently positive color is associated with purity, virginity, innocence, light, goodness, heaven, safety, brilliance, illumination, understanding, faith, beginnings, spirituality, possibility, sincerity, protectiveness, softness, and perfection. The color white can represent a successful beginning. In Eastern countries, the color white is the color of mourning and of funerals. In certain cultures, white is the color of royalty or of ro- religious figures, as angels are, de- are typically depicted as wearing white or having a white glow. The color white affects the mind and body by aiding the mental clarity, promoting feelings of fresh beginnings and renewal, assisting in cleansing, clearing obstacles and clutter, and encouraging the purifications of thoughts and actions. The most... And maybe the only example off the top of my head I can think of um, is how meaningful it is that Ahsoka emerges in Rebels with white lightsabers. Um, What do you think about that, Caitlin? I remember we were all really shook (laughs) when she came (laughs) forward with the white lightsabers. It was like, whoa. (laughs) Especially when coupled with her uh, quote from Twilight of the Apprentice where she says, you know, I'm no Jedi. Um, and I, I think it's meaningful, too, because we don't see Jedi with white lightsabers. Um, they mm-hmm. have a color to them. They have green, blue, purple. Are there other Jedi with white lightsabers? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think so. Um, as we dig into this, this, this has a canonical reasoning. Um, her lightsaber didn't bleed after um she left the Jedi Order. It um, the crystal didn't change. It changed to white, which I felt I feel like is so representative of her. I mean, even at the end of Rebel, she emerges in this white cloak, and um, she mm. is. I don't know. I said that the color white can represent a successful beginning, and um, it, but it's also the color of mourning and funerals in some cultures, and I feel like that is kind of truly uh, representative of. Ahsoka's uh, mindset in Rebels and when we see her in that time period. She's mourning Mm. her lost friends and her honestly her past um, but also starting anew and she has um, I think that a lot of people look at the white lightsabers as almost um, 
like a balance between like blue and red and like purple the gray, and all these different like a colors. Gray light, like a gray Jedi. I think that people look at that that way, but I don't necessarily think that you need to look at it that way. I think it makes sense because Ahsoka is no Jedi, yet she uses the Force and has lightsabers. I think that like that's a logical explanation in a way to kind of conceptualize what she is. But I I think that here it is, like I said, an inherently positive color and it is representative of goodness and it is a new beginning and that's exactly what she's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think that middle chunk you read about it representing a successful beginning while also it can be representative of mourning and grief is like so perfect for Ahsoka's journey um, after she leaves the Jedi Order um, because there's just – there's a lot of sorrow that happens in her life as well with that's accompanied by like a lot of ambiguity. Like she knows that Anakin is gone from the Force but she doesn't know why and there's like not a closure there until we get to Rebels which – must have been like really hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then it is a positive color because Ahsoka is representative of like – we've said this before too of like everything that Anakin should have been. Like Anakin should have followed Ahsoka's path um, and left the Jedi Order and he still would have been able to like have a life and still use the Force and probably, you know, stay with Padme. And there were a lot of other options for him outside of the Order but he couldn't see it that way necessarily, Um, whereas Ahsoka was able to, like, take that step and leave the Jedi Order um, and continue on with her life. And she had such a positive influence both in her novel, Ahsoka, and on the characters in Rebels. Like, she was able to bring a lot of, like, what what the quote talks about, the meanings, a lot of, like, understanding, a lot of protection, um, like spirituality, this idea of possibility um, that's always been like inherent in Ahsoka's character in Rebels, I think. Like this idea of possibility of like, will she meet up with Vader? Does she know um, now what's going to happen with her at the end of Rebels? Um, there's always a lot of question marks, but they're – if you're an Ahsoka fan, they're generally good question marks. Mm-hmm. I think that it, since we're on the topic of Ahsoka as well, um, it should be noted that in the Clone Wars she had a green and a yellow lightsaber. Um, I think that green makes a lot of sense because, like we said, green, green um, in particularly green lightsabers could be associated with growth, and that's exactly what's happening to Ahsoka in that moment. She's like truly growing up um, in the Clone Wars. Um, but the yellow is really interesting, and it's something that is brought up a lot in fandom and. To be honest, is something I really didn't like dive into for this episode. But um, what do we think about the yellow lightsaber for her? Yellow is a is a weird color. We don't see a lot of yellow lightsabers. Um, doesn't doesn't Quinlan Voss have a yellow lightsaber? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I do have this quote from Gote actually about yellow, um, which is kind of connected to the blue article. So he writes, again, this is like start of the 19th century. Um, he writes, yellow. This is the color nearest to light. It appears on the slightest mitigation of light, whether by semi-transparent mediums or faint reflection from white surfaces. In prismatic experiments, it extends itself alone and wi- widely in the light space. And while the two poles remain separated from each other before it mixes with blue to produce green, it is to be seen in its utmost purity and beauty. How the chemical yellow develops itself in and upon the white has been circumstantially described in its proper place. 
In its highest purity, it always carries with it the nature of brightness and has a serene, gay, softly exciting character. So I think that's, Hmm. yeah, I think it's interesting how it says that it's like the next step from white, which is where Ahsoka Mm. eventually ends. But then it also talks about how it mixes with blue in order to produce green, which is the color that she does get later. Super interesting. Um, Yeah. And also the the temple guards in – the, the mm-hmm. Jedi also – the Jedi Temple Guards also have yellow lightsabers on the Yeah, on the I forgot about that. Yeah. I think – I mean, I, to me, that makes sense um, that it would be like something in between, something different. Um, and I think that's probably what the creators were going for when they chose that for her and the Jedi Temple Guards. Um, and I think in Legends um, – I'm probably going to get this wrong, but Bastila Shan has um, – a yellow lightsaber as well, which is kind of where the fan theory about Rey getting a yellow lightsaber kind of comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I apologize if I get that wrong, but that's my understanding. And I do think that it's cool. I mean, it, it's it's a neat uh, transition color for something in between blue and green, um, which I yeah. think is the idea. Yeah, and close to white as well. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So it works for Ahsoka. Yeah, it does work for her. (laughs) Especially when when it says, like, you take some blue and add it to yellow in order to get the green, which the blue in this case, you could, like, extrapolate it to be, you know, the blue from Anakin, which Mm -hmm. has hinges of darkness in its light as well and vice versa that then are used to, like, create the character of Ahsoka and, like, her Mm -hmm. her character within the show, like, her character growth as well. Like, her (laughs) – It's true. I mean, you know that yellow lightsaber is like really small too. It's smaller than the, her green one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's got Ahsoka's lightsabers have always been really interesting because she has two. She fights in a very different um, style than we see a lot of our other characters fighting in. Um, she does have two. One of them is shorter than the other. Um, she's always had really interesting lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Love that girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what they say. Ahsoka lives exclamation point. <laughs> that that is what they say. They being Dave Filoni. <laughs> and me. And me. And you. Graduate off your Skytalkers bingo. <laughs> I think we okay. I think if, if you're following along with Skytalkers bingo, I think we've done three buzzwords of Star Wars is tragedy, Richard Marquand, <laughs> and Ahsoka lives exclamation point. Richard Marquand is a hard one because he doesn't come up very often. So you should scratch it off now while you've got the chance. <laughs> Oh my God. By the way, guys, this is really hypothetical. I've never made there's, a bingo sh- sheet. There's not actually a Sky Ducker bingo. <laughs> Just in case you're a little confused. <laughs> it's this thing that we like, say. Where can I find this, <laughs> this bingo card? Someday I'll make it. I'll make it. Yeah, Don't worry. One day we'll have a, a sky, an actual Sky Ducker's bingo. <laughs> and Richard Marquand will be on it. Okay. So purple. Purple's a weird one because I almost hesitated even putting it on this list because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the whole purple lightsaber is to kind of service Samuel L. Jackson. Like, the, it's, a, it's a huge joke kind that of. he... It is. It, it is. It, purple is his favorite color. He asked George if he could have a purple lightsaber. Therefore, he has a purple lightsaber. But I do think that in the spirit of overanalyzing and, like, the fact that George would okay that decision, um, we're going to. So... <laughs> 
Purple combines the calm stability of blue and the fierce energy of red. The color purple is often associated with nobility, luxury, power, and ambition. Purple also represents meanings of wealth, extravagance, creativity, wisdom, dignity, grandeur, devotion, peace, pride, mystery, independence, and magic. I just find, you know, as I was diving into this, because I was like skeptical, I'm not a big fan of the purple lightsaber. I think it's pretty, purple is one of my favorite colors, but I find the whole Samuel L. Jackson having a purple lightsaber just like a little, it's just funny. It's a funny story. But I do think it's really interesting how Mace has a lightsaber that's literally in between the colors blue and red. Um, I don't think that that can be glossed over in the fact that Mace is the last person Anakin talks to from the Jedi before he turns to the dark side. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of conversations about like Mace Windu as a character. And I don't think that this is necessarily the place for us to dive into that. And maybe we could do a full episode on that because honestly, he's, he's really interesting. Um, But I think it, what do you think about them um, putting purple in Star Wars and does it mean something that it's in between blue and red? I definitely think there's some overanalyzation to be put in there because we know that the reason we have the purple lightsaber is because Jackson asked for it. But I think that is really interesting that you pointed out that Mace is the last person that Anakin spoke to after, like, right before he turned to the dark side. But I was thinking of it more of, like, Mace's personality himself. Like, he is mm-hmm. kind of this embodiment of the, like, the luxury and the power that comes with being a Jedi Master on the Council. Um, mm-hmm. But then he – which is, like, to be a Master on the Jedi Council is, like, a, you would associate that with good. So you associate it with the color blue and of green. Um, but then there's also this fierce energy of red. And Mace Windu can be a bit problematic with how he – does things within the Jedi Order, um, which again, this isn't the place to dive headfirst into Mace Windu's character, but he does kind of occupy this space of both having a lot of power on the Jedi Council, but then also making a lot of mistakes within the Jedi Order as well. And not because like Mace Windu is an inherently bad person, but just because of the like state of the Jedi Order at that time. Exactly. And I think that it is fascinating because we look at the Jedi Order as extremely flawed, and especially at the end of the Clone Wars. And here we have a character who um, sits next to Yoda, um, essentially, in terms of power on the Jedi Council, even though they're like basically all supposed to be equal, um, who has this literal embodiment of something in between light and dark when um, things are so like flipped on its head, essentially, especially Mm -hmm. in Revenge of the Sith. Mace is kind of the embodiment of those problems in the Jedi Order. And I think that I think it's fair to say that like the Clone Wars kind of takes steps to show you that or to like make Mace kind of that symbol um, Mm -hmm. more so than Yoda and even some of the other Jedi Masters on the Council. Mace, who you kind of point to the most of like, oh, things are not great right now. (laughs) Look at what Mace did. (laughs) Right. When I was diving into this, I kind of, which is something we rarely do on the show. This is the second time I've mentioned Legends on the show. But um, when I was diving into this, I found this thing that I thought was really interesting. And I'm sure some listeners are familiar with this. But in Legends, Mace invented the pod, which is a lightsaber form um, that drew upon the dark side. So I I thought that was really interesting given the fact that his lightsaber is a mixture between red and blue. Um, And here we have a character in Legends who um, was able to draw upon the dark side and um, kind of 
spearheaded this new lightsaber form in this way. And I just, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that is interesting. And again, it like goes back to kind of some of the question marks in how Mace does things. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, which kind of makes sense when when we're reading really deeply into the color that the actor in the real world picked out for his lightsaber. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's still cool, though. Like, if I were to have – it's not my fave, but I wouldn't mind having, like, a Force FX Mace Windu lightsaber just because I want a purple lightsaber, like, in my possession. That's super cool. The purple lightsaber is really cool. It'll be cool, like, sometime in the future when we see – Jedi, other Jedi have the purple saber. I don't know. I can see them doing that and going down that road. Yeah. It's just Mace is such a heart. I know there are some people who are huge Mace stands, and I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's okay. I think that he is kind of a hard shell to crock, and um, mm-hmm. some of his choices and things that he said says to Anakin and Padme specifically in the prequels is kind of off-putting and I think that that's like the point of his character and I think think, yeah and I think that that's potentially where people like really like him in that way and it's just something I don't really see but that's fine um I still think it would be fun to dive into this character some more um, yeah I do love his like quote-unquote force power with that we get from the Revenge of the Sith novelization being or and and his own as well called Shatter Points right Mm -hmm. um where he can like almost like seeing like the probability of certain things happening um but yeah. like, being able to like trace the force to these like shatter points these nexuses of like problems or of mistakes or power or whatever it is um i think that's mm-hmm. really cool and, and i love how stover describes it in the revenge of the sith novelization i thought that was right. i think that's a really cool component of mace's character that i would actually like to see more of so Totally. Because I think that's Legends now, but it's still really cool. Mm-hmm. It's still really yeah. cool. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about the red lightsabers? Which means we can talk about Kylo. Yay. All right. Let's do it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right. Welcome to part three, where now we're talking about our last color, um, which is the color red. Um, And again, we don't have quite the same kind of quotes about the color red that we did for the color blue or our other colors. Um, But a couple of the ones that we have here um, read, red is the color of extremes. It's the color of passionate love, seduction, violence, danger, anger, and adventure. Our prehistoric ancestors saw red as the color of fire and blood, energy, and primal life forces, and most of red symbolism today arises from its powerful associations in the past. Um, And so in a way, red is kind of almost the easiest to talk about its symbolism within the Star Wars universe, and I think, too, within, like, our universe as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It, like, kind of – it really aligns with what the Sith represent, which is emotion, conflict, instincts, um, unfettered self-interest, and, like, I don't know, passion really is what the Sith kind of embrace. And I think that's exactly what – it just makes sense that their lightsabers are red. It's, like, it's super clear to me, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, like, if there's going – I mean – you could have – I mean, we didn't talk about that we do have the dark saber, the black lightsaber that we see in Rebels. Yeah. Because uh-huh. um, we don't see – I was going to say, like, we don't see Sith with other color lightsabers. Like, 
you could make yellow like an evil lightsaber color because Sith have yellow eyes. And they could have black lightsabers, but we don't – we we just see them with red. Um, but we do see Sabine with the darksaber, which is like black. The Mandalorian darksaber to me is almost in a whole other league um, than what we're talking about now. I think it's it's relevant, but to me, the darksaber is more like aligned with like talking about like Excalibur and how important it is to wield this weapon. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's black kind of um, distinguishes it as different from like a Jedi's weapon or a Sith weapon. Um, and I think that there is something there about um, how that one is kind of i don't know um it's black color is um i don't know what i'm trying to say but i i feel like it doesn't necessarily show the history of mandalore like i feel like mandalore is like um the mandalorian dark saber is filled with so much um good and bad that it's not necessarily fully represented in the dark saber but um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that even made sense at all. What do you think of the of the dark saber? Now that we're here, yeah, it does. I like how you said that it it being black kind of represents that it is something different, given that it's not a color we see associated with like Sith lightsabers. Mm-hmm. So that it is so because it is a saber, um, but it's something like outside of our regular our, our run of the mill lightsabers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we know too much about the dark saber either, so it's kind of hard to like speak. Yeah. It's so different that it's it's kind of hard to speak like intelligent intelligently about its meaning. It's just this like this object that comes up um in just a few episodes of Star Wars television and mm. it's super intriguing and I almost think that we'll see it again in The Mandalorian on the TV show and we can revisit this then. Yeah. So I do have this quote about the color red from Goatee again. Um which Again, it's like all these things just like line up so perfectly to be so Star Wars. I can't get over it. <laughs> um, but he writes again, start of the 19th century um, in his book, The Theory of Color. Um, the effect of this color, red, is as peculiar as its nature. It conveys an impression of gravity and dignity and at the same time of grace and attractiveness. The first in its dark, deep state, the latter in its light, attenuated tint, and thus the dignity of age and the am- amiable and, and thus the likeness of youth may adorn itself with degrees of the same hue. History relates many instances of the jealousy of sovereigns with regard to the quality of red. Surrounding accompaniments of this color have always have always a grave and magnificent effect. The red glass exhibits a bright landscape in so dreadful a hue as to inspire sentiments of awe. I think this is so interesting, and this quote in particular reminds me a lot of Count Dooku. <laughs> oh, wow. Surprising. Right, I, you were not expecting <laughs> that. Um, but like his, like of gravity and dignity, and at the same time of grace and attractiveness. Um, like there's something like and substitute the word temptation for attractiveness. Like there is something mm. tempting about the dark side, and we see that. So we see that with all of our characters, with Anakin, with Luke to a certain degree, and with Kylo, and with Rey. Um, there's something attractive and tempting about the color Rey, uh, about the color Rey, about the color red. Um, <laughs> And I like this quote, too, at the end where it says, history relates many instances of the jealousy of sovereigns with regard to the quality of red. And, like, we have all of these, like, leaders in power, you know, Palpatine and Snoke and Kylo um, and even Hux to a certain degree, like, 
evoking these colors of red um, in what they're doing mm. and they're like doing evil things. Right. I, I like the I like the I don't have the quote in front of me, but I like the the quote um, where you mentioned it is about awe. I think mm-hmm. that that is there's like a showmanship in red um, yeah. that comes up. And that's what you were mentioning, I think, and what you're getting at when you're talking about Count Dooku. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a, a showmanship about the color red. It's awe inspiring. It is astounding. It is um, awful um, in both the like the neutral term of awe <laughs> and also yeah. terrible. Um, and I think that it, I don't know, I, um, it, it just makes so much sense to me that Snoke's entire um, boudoir <laughs> would be entirely also red. a direct quote from the last Jedi novelization. Yeah. Not even just the novelization, the movie. Yeah, so, the movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's like, it is uh, showy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the quote, the quote says now reading it in context of Snoke's boudoir, Surrounding accompaniments of this color have always a grave and magnificent effect. The red glass exhibits a bright landscape and so dreadful a hue as to inspire sentiments of awe. And I think that's exactly what Snoke's throne room does. Um, even to right. like, it's the red glass, like that's what Ray looks through. She looks through like a like a weird looking glass when she's looking at the um, resistance fleeing. Um, but that mm. whole landscape, that whole design is meant to evoke like a fearfulness, but also like a, oh, wow. Yeah. And when the, it's almost like Snoke's, it's, it, I, there's a lot of meta that goes into the Snoke boudoir that I don't necessarily think is the time, of, which actually I feel like we've actually gone into before. But the fact that the curtain falls, the red curtain, and it was almost this like impressive before the curtain fell, this the boudoir was like this impressive um, throne of, um, I don't know, uh, almost magnificence. And like, it was kind of alluring. Like that's the, you know, the the passion, like the almost the sexiness of red, right? And mm-hmm. as that curtain falls, so does that alluring nature, I suppose. Um, I, I often think about the curtain falling being like exposing the truth of what's around them. And I think that's kind of what he was going for. But it's also, can, it also can be this like, this intrigue of what, everything that Snoke was to Kylo kind of falling away as well now that he is dead. Yeah. Well, there's so much built into that scene, um, especially with the aesthetics of it, because there's what Snoke's trying to do with that scene with with like the setup of the throne room for himself. Um, he's mm-hmm. trying to use it to evoke his power and that sense of like terrible awe. And then there's yeah. what the scene is doing symbolically for Kylo as the curtain falls, like you were saying. And then there's also what it's doing for us as the audience with its like parallel to Revenge of the Sith with Anakin and Padme mm-hmm. at the end. Um, so there are like a lot of layers going into it. And like, of course, it's worth mentioning that the color red, but like more of an orangey red is really prevalent in the Revenge of the Sith scene too. So yep. there's like a lot of layers that are being used throughout that one scene and throughout that one set mm-hmm. piece. Exactly. And, you know, I'm even I'm even thinking because we're about to t- start talking about Darth Vader, but um, even that scene at the end of Rogue One where <laughs> Darth Vader, the drama queen he is, he turns off his like chess panel and like all you see in that corridor is is red. Um, I know <laughs> is filling up the entire <laughs> 
You didn't Hold have you never thought about that before? <laughs> He's gonna power down in order to get maximum effect. He's like, let me make this as the most dramatic I possibly can. I'm gonna turn just- off everything that lights me up just so that my red lightsaber <laughs> could possibly be the most dramatic it, it can be. <laughs> I'm crying. That's so funny. Like, does it have a switch or is it like automatic? Is is it like an Alexa? Like, Alexa, power down. Chest plate, power down. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go on. Well, I mean, the entire room, if red represents violence and danger, the entire room is filled with red. And that's like the visual language that's being conveyed through this one lightsaber. So, Let's take this opportunity to talk about what it means for a crystal, a kyber crystal, to bleed. And this is something that's been recently introduced. I think the first time we saw it or heard about it was in the Ahsoka novelization. But it has come up again in the Vader comic. Um, And I just thought, and I want to shout out Star Wars Explains awesome people over there for helping me with this one (laughs) because it's a little complicated and your videos are really helpful so um so in the vader comic palpatine tells vader that kyber crystals one have the capacity to feel pain which is like really interesting to me in its own right and two have to be bled by the sith pouring their own pain into the crystal and when the agony of um what is being poured in becomes more than the crystal can stand the color would change to red um, which is just like so <laughs> painful Email. for me to even think about that. Like all of a sudden, Kyber Crystal, and this isn't a new thing. Like in Ilum or Ilum, um, in the Clone Wars, when the younglings have to go get their crystals, and there's this, you know, that's a beautiful episode if you haven't seen it, um, where Yoda takes the younglings and they each have to experience their own trials, and they're all called to their crystals in the Crystal Cave. I think that. This whole thing adds another layer in the fact that these crystals can experience sentience and they feel pain. And it's just so cruel to make them bleed. So Ahsoka says in the novel, she says the red crystals were corrupted by the dark side when those who wielded them bent to their will. They call it making the crystal bleed. I also thought it was really interesting in my research. I found this that um, by using the light side of the force, it was possible to heal the effects of a bleeding on a cryo of a kyber crystal um this process would change the crystal's color um and ahsoka did this for the six brothers lightsaber doing during an encounter with him i find this extremely fascinating especially in the context of kylo ren um i think first off it's like extremely cruel to me that palpatine would make his apprentice vader um you basically steal the crystal and then like pour your pain into it and like crush it (laughs) through the force i guess i feel like this is just like it's really physical to me and it just like it's like sad to even talk about right i mean i don't know anything about these crystals but like i don't want that to happen to any of them you know what i mean like it's like it's it's a lot it's it's a lot (laughs) and it's a lot of that like honestly that kind of like abuse mentality of like palpatine um and what he does with anakin with vader you know kind of forcing his hand to do these things and i think it's i mean of course Vader was doing a lot of this of his own volition. But I think I haven't read the Vader comics, um, so I don't know this for sure. But what I've seen 
my perception from what I've seen floating around the internet is that Palpatine is kind of like forcing Anakin on like a lot of these missions that basically just like make him more miserable and Palpatine mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening. knows it. Okay. And it's just like Anakin becoming more and more trapped um, within this misery of like everything that he's done and everything that he can never have again. Um, and it's like in a way you're like taking the crystal down with you. And mm-hmm. I think it's the word choice here is uh, – particularly interesting as well um, that you pour your pain into it it's not pouring your anger it's pouring your pain which anger i think would has a very different connotation than pain so when we think about like anakin and kylo pouring their pain into these crystals um there's a lot more sadness and like sorrow and empathy i think that goes with that than pouring their anger into it yeah, and it's it's funny when you think about Kylo and you think about Ben, like on his journey to become a not Sith. I guess he's not a Sith, right? He's a Knight of Ren, I guess. He's a dark sider. Um, he's a dark sider. So I can just imagine him taking his, and this hasn't been confirmed, but I feel like with enough like high def photos, it has basically been like confirmed that the lightsaber that he had in his temple hut is the same lightsaber he wields now and basically he's like totally manipulated that crystal but did he i don't think he even did it right like he didn't do it right it's it's this janky lightsaber that he didn't get to properly bleed so therefore it is um extremely like misshapen um and i find that really interesting because was Kylo able to even pour his pain? Did he even know what he was doing? Like, there's a lot of questions that come up about this concept, which is in, you know, kind of being developed at the same time that The Force Awakens was developed, that really just like bring up a lot of what does that mean for Ben as he tries to be the most evil, I suppose, that he possibly can be? It's kind of fascinating to me that he just couldn't do it properly. Yeah. We talk a lot about this like barometer of dark side when we talk about particularly our Skywalkers. And so if you think about like Anakin or like this idea of like pouring your pain into the Kyber crystal to make it bleed, it's like once you pour all of your pain into it, you can let go of that pain and therefore let go of that almost like empathy within yourself and be completely a dark side user. Um, Whereas with Kylo, like he wasn't able to do that. It was like he only poured like 80% of his pain into it (laughs) and he's still Mm -hmm. holding on to like the other 20%. And perhaps within that 20% of pain is also like the hope that like that pull to the light side is still within him as opposed to like within his lightsaber. I don't really know. Again, I think we don't have a lot of information on how this process works exactly but I think it's it's really it's really sad. Um, <laughs> but I think the most important thing to pull from this whole conversation is the fact that the crystal can be healed. Um, mm-hmm. Like again, such a metaphor for where the sequel trilogy is going. That just because a crystal is has been bled doesn't mean that it can't be healed and that it can't again be used for something good in the future. Um, just like Ahsoka's lightsaber changed in context to her journey um like how the like kylo's lightsaber changed in context to his journey it can change again the crystal can change again and so can the user basically kylo ren will be redeemed yeah for sure i'm reminded of an obi-wan quote in attack of the clones when he says this weapon is your life yeah and just like thinking about this entire conversation that we've had tonight about 
how representative these lightsabers are of their character that wields them. Mm -hmm. Um, It truly is like it's it's an extended metaphor, if you will, for each of them. And here we have Kylo, who is, you know, his lightsaber is almost just as broken as he is. And the fact is, is that now um, we have canon evidence of it being able to be healed. I think that's a beautiful metaphor. You're right. Um, my new favorite theory is that Ray learns how to mend the blue lightsaber and somehow teaches Ben how to mend his. And I just, I, I find that beautiful as well by her learning how to I don't know, fix isn't the right word, but like move forward. It allows Ben also to move forward. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. I feel like this is so beautiful. And it's it's just like, it's so, to me, this, you know, the Lucasfilm and the story group have really pushed the idea of kyber crystals and their importance. And obviously like when Rogue One came out, it was like such a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um the the fact that like now basically the general audience would know what a kyber crystal is and that they would have to understand that to understand like the fact that the strongest hearts have hearts of Ky- the strongest stars have hearts of kyber and like um the death stars like the the greatest weapon is from these like the beautiful Jedi's like weapon. yeah the jedi's weapon which is like a beautiful poetry but it's also fascinating to me how cruel that is now knowing that these crystals are like essentially sentient um mm-hmm. that they were waiting in a cave to be chosen. It's almost like the whole Harry Potter, like the wand chooses the wizard thing. The crystal chooses the Jedi. Um, and here we have like another example of how cruel the Sith and the dark side can possibly be by corrupting these crystals even further. Yeah. And the fact the fact that now it, we have canon evidence that these crystals can be healed, it's like nothing is past the point of no return. Wow. There's there's like so much hope in that, which again is, you know, our main theme of Star Wars is that there's hope and that you can change direction. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's it's so great how you pulled that Obi-Wan quote because it does take such new meaning. Like in the context of Attack of the Clones, you know, Obi-Wan telling Anakin like this lightsaber is your life is because he's lost it and like he needs to get his freaking weapon back and be responsible for it. <laughs> You know, Um, but then what you're saying with all of this new content that we have, like with Ilum and with Kyber crystals in general, like the lightsaber, you're right, is an extended metaphor for where these characters are. And as we see with Ahsoka, it can change. Um, And I I like your theory that Rey learns how to mend the lightsaber, but I think for Kylo, it will come like it'll just like happen inherently because I think the crystal will respond to his like temperament and his um, like feelings where he ought, where he is in that moment mm. um, because they do have a relationship like and and isn't it in that episode of Rebels with the with like the giant Kyber like isn't the Kyber crystal singing? Yes, yeah, yeah and only some Ezra, can hear it. Ezra is the only one who can hear it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they do have this like sound. It almost reminds me of like whales, like whale songs. <laughs> well, it's, it's like that makes sense why Ezra is the only one that can hear it yeah. because of like the space whales <laughs> as well. Okay. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, the, and like with whale, like whales, they all have like a particular language and like a particular tone for their family, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. that's a thing? Um, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. That sounds I'm right to sure me. It sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Any whale enthusiasts, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but like they're almost on like the same frequency. And so I feel like Kylo's crystal is inherently tied to like his frequency 
And once Kylo makes that, because we've talked about how for Kylo to rebuke the dark side completely, um, to like form this new balance, it has to be his choice. And so I think that Crystal will respond to his choice um, hmm. kind of automatically. Maybe maybe not automatically, but I think it'll be something that's really personal. Um, but perhaps it is like with Ray's like encouragement. Um, mm-hmm hope for him that's like a part of it i think that's all a part of it but at the at the end of the day kylo's choice to refute the dark side has to be his own choice and i kind of think maybe his crystal will respond to that moment and to that choice agreed i don't know i like i'm trying to envision like a scene where kylo's like yes i'm on the light side now and then he ignites his lightsaber and like will it still be red like automatically like wouldn't that be crazy for the content of like kyber crystals if it is like an automatic change like that or if it is something that has to be like almost like earned with time and with like retribution and atonement if that's how like Mm -hmm. the the crystal loses its red hue again i don't know both would be really visually really cool yeah exactly exactly Wow. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? I think that's it. Y'all, I love Star Wars. I love these like weird tangent theories we get into. Um, (laughs) So let us know what your favorite lightsaber color is and what you think Ray should be and what you think Kylo should be at the end of um, episode nine too. If you think he's going to live through episode nine, of course. Um, But if you are looking for us on the internet, you can find us mostly on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or on our personal Twitters. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. You can also find us on our website, skytalkers.com or Instagram at SkytalkersPod. Um, and if you've been intrigued at all about our Ahsoka discussion a little bit, we actually did just do a commentary on our Patreon of the amazing episode, Twilight of the Apprentice, where um, we do talk a little bit about lightsabers in that episode, actually, in that commentary. I think we talk about the helicopter lightsabers quite a bit. Um, But you can head on over to our Patreon to check that out if you're interested. And if you did like what you hear and you want to head on over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review, uh, we would really, really appreciate it. And I just want to say a big thank you to our amazing patrons, as Caitlin mentioned, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ewan, Math, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, Ira Bell, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Gina, Megan, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. It means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky 
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.